tell me about one person who's been really influential to you personally in your founder journey, apart from maybe your co-founder. <laughs> Interesting one. Wow, I really need to think about this one. <laughs> if your mom was here in this room right now, what would you tell her? What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Build Our Africa series, season two. I guess that's what you have to say because we had season one, then it just kind of fell off. But we're back. Anyway, today I'm with Tesh Mbabu, the founder and CEO of Market Force. Market Force empowers B2B commerce across Africa. They work across five markets, uh, empowering over 200,000 merchants. Recently announced a $40 million fundraise. Today we have an exclusive with the founder and CEO, Tesh. Unfortunately, Tesh is from Kenya. He's not from Tanzania, but that's okay. We'll let this one slide today. I'm not Shida. I'm not. <laughs> we're all working towards building Africa. Anyway, we're super excited to join. Uh, thank you all so much for tuning in uh, to this episode. And we're gonna go jump in and get started. Welcome, Tesh. Asante, Asante. Good so, day. should we talk in Swahili today? Our Kingereza? Our we can mix. You know how we do it in Kenya. Sheng yeah. Kidogo. <laughs> <laughs> Man, well, take me back. Uh, you started your first company at the age of eighteen. Yeah. What were you thinking? Yeah. So, like tech company intro- too, right? Yeah, tech focused. Okay. So, it's interesting story. Yeah. I went home for midterm. Okay. I was in high school. I tell this story a lot. Yeah. Uh, from two, my elder cousin was like, "Have you interacted with Facebook? Do you know about this platform?" Mm-hmm. I'm like, "Yo, what what does Facebook do?" So she signs me up on Gmail so I can get a Facebook account and I fall in love with tech. I'm like, who's building this stuff? I want to build stuff like this. Mm-hmm. So I changed my career path. Mm-hmm. Like I wanted to, I was always a creative designer, but I wanted to be an architect. Mm-hmm. But then from then I, I, I was like, who, who builds this stuff? So mm-hmm. that's how I decided to go into computing, started software engineering. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, started, you know, got into the startup world. Yeah, so so wait, um, this is before going to uni. But let's is, let's take a step back, right? Like, yeah. um, you grew up in Nairobi. I grew up on the outskirts of Nairobi. Okay. Um, so twenty five kilometers out, in a mm. place called Ngong. Mm. So it's on the foot of Ngong Hills. So we've been to Nairobi. Yeah, that's where a lot like, of people go to run, right? Guys run there a lot and hike as yeah. well. Yeah. So it's 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 a middle income sort mm-hmm. of community mm-hmm. or area. My parents worked in Nairobi, the mm-hmm. city. Um, so it works out. Mm-hmm. And so talk to me about that journey. So like you grew up in Nairobi, um, today you run Market Force, right? Uh, you co-founded mm-hmm. Market Force, an organization that powers B2B commerce for over 200,000 merchants across five African countries. Uh, it's been quite a journey. I'm sure it didn't happen overnight. Now I want to talk about where that drive came from, where, where, where that push to be able to build this company came from. Yeah. And so from high school, like let's go back there. So from high school, was anybody in your family a tech founder? Was it like your dad or mom or like family like connected? Do you have siblings or were they part of tech as well? Or <laughs> where did that come from apart from your passion from like learning about Facebook from your friend? Yeah, I guess it's 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 largely because I'm very curious mm. as a person. Um, I'm the kind of person who I don't talk much, yeah. but everywhere I go, I'm very observant and mm. trying to figure out you know, what is this? Like, how did this end up here? <laughs> yeah. You know, so, um, and I'm also quite adventurous. Mm-hmm. So naturally, adrenaline junkie, mm-hmm. so I think the startup thing became, I uh, was very connected to that side of me. Yeah. Uh, my parents, so my dad mm-hmm. uh, is a lect- has been a lecturer yeah. for a long time. He's retired now. Yeah. Um, so he's a professor at the university. Mm-hmm. Uh, my mom was a lawyer, mm-hmm. so she was an entrepreneur. Yeah. So I remember when as a kid, I'd yeah. take her to, to the office uh-huh. because I was a really small boy. Yeah. And I'd enjoy going with her because lunch was lit. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so I'd be it's all busy. about that food, man. It's all about <laughs> <the> food. <laughs> I would be thinking about food. So. <laughs> yeah. So um, that was fun. But I got to see the what I thought was freedom mm. that comes with entrepreneurship. Like she'd walk in, mm. and she was just a boss, you know, she had. Mm. She was working with this team mm. and I could see how she's dealing mm. with clients. Mm. I think, like, I wasn't pushed into entrepreneurship or anything, mm-hmm. but I think that's why I, I picked it up from, mm. um, that you can actually be your own boss mm-hmm. kind of thing. 
then over time I realized like you're never your own boss. Yeah. Um, but that's that's kind of the background into how I ended up in venture. But more most more importantly, I, I'm always like about creating impact. Mm. So one thing like I'm really passionate about is creating jobs, mm-hmm. especially for the youth. Mm-hmm. So problem solving. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know how high unemployment is in the continent. Yeah. And that also explains why I'm building like market force yeah. because it's a space that can create a lot of prosperity for many people. So the merchants we deal with, mm-hmm. enabling them to have better incomes, but also how we've built the business is through gig workers who onboard the merchants. Mm-hmm. So we have like a thousand people we've trained. They use our app, go onboard merchants, train merchants, etc. And that gives me the most joy. Mm. Yeah. I've seen that on field. I'll come to Market Force shortly in a bit. Um, before Market Force, you started a company that got acquired, uh, yeah. Cloud9, I believe. Yeah. Um, can you tell me about that journey to even like starting this business to it getting acquired and then you moving into Market Force? Yeah. So I've tried a couple of things. Yeah. So some L's, as you call it. Yeah. <laughs> And and some successful. So yeah. Cloud9 was was one of those. Mm-hmm. Um, so my journey is uh, I clear high school at 18. Okay. Mm-hmm. I start a web and graphic design business. At this point, I know I want to go into tech. Mm-hmm. So what's the fastest thing I can learn and mm-hmm. start doing? Mm-hmm. So graphic and web design. So Guys, I start doing gigs. Tesh is offering free graphic design <laughs> tutorials. If anybody wants them to our graphics, hit them up. <laughs> Send them a DM. <laughs> like make your poster, you know, yeah. and make it for you. Yeah, for the Nairobi billboards. I, I've seen them. <laughs> I bet you guys are doing some of those too. I, I did a lot of that work. Yeah. Like I think, all my that yeah. financed my partying yeah. throughout campus. You know that's hilarious because I used to do graphic design. Too. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's where all tech bros start. <laughs> exactly, it's like Photoshop. Learn how to do it, and like YouTube. <laughs> it's probably cracked Photoshop too. <laughs> and like you're using some bootleg laptop yeah. where Windows is not even working. Okay, exactly. You've learned how to crack it too. Cracking Adobe and all that stuff. Yeah. Yes. Hilarious. So, um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so I started this graphic yeah. design company, and then as every Kenyan, I call it Tesh. <laughs> <laughs> it was called. It was wait, Tesh. He called his first company Tesh Tech. Okay. And yeah, then, ambition, bro. Priceless. <laughs> you gotta name your company after yourself, man. That's the only way to make it happen. Yeah. Uh-huh. So that was pretty cool. Um, Tesh Tech did a couple of gigs through Compass. Mm. I met my co-founder, current mm. co-founder. Mm. So Mesongo, mm-hmm. I was like, I'm getting all these gigs. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm at that point, I realized mm-hmm. I'm not really into mm-hmm. the coding mm-hmm. element. Mm-hmm. I really like the intersection between mm-hmm. how the technology works mm-hmm. and how the product or the business actually works. Mm-hmm. So I started moving towards running the business mm. and client-facing kind of stuff, operational right. kind of stuff. Uh, my co-founder comes in and mm. he starts handling all the mm. uh, technical stuff. Mm. Um, then we co-found the second company, which is Mesozi. Mm-hmm. Uh, There's a software company. We've got into Compass. Now we understand how to actually build mm. software and mm-hmm. product. So we started consulting uh, for that. And then we so always... So this is while you're a student in university. Yeah. You're like starting this company with like your co-founder yeah. who you met on campus. And you're like, guys, like, let's make this deal. That, that's what was happening, right? That's what was happening. And at this point, at I'm At the consuming, University of Nairobi here. At the University of Nairobi. Mm-hmm. And I'm so I'm studying computer science. I'm consuming so much information around like startups in Silicon Valley. Because mm-hmm. remember, I'm, I started with the Facebook story. Mm-hmm. I'm like, who built this? Mm-hmm. So I start reading more about startups and how to build startups, mm-hmm. etc. So now I'm looking, I'm thinking about the my environment and what problem can I solve? Because mm-hmm. I've started understanding that okay, to build a successful company, you need to find a problem. You know, so basics of um, starting a tech startup. Mm-hmm. So we co-found our first startup within Misozi. So mm-hmm. our idea then is this group of companies that mm-hmm. solves African problems. Mm-hmm. So the first problem was, remember we're in web design at yeah. that point? Yeah. So we used to t- tender uh, like... For different projects. For different projects, yeah. exactly. So, and it was all manual, like mm-hmm. so much paperwork. <laughs> so like, why do you have to do all this paperwork? Right. So we 
naturally we think about studying a tender mm-hmm. ring automation platform mm-hmm. fail terribly mm-hmm. and then we go on vacation mm-hmm. uh to take our L's, so we go to Diani, <laughs> the best beaches, you know. Uh, listen, <laughs> listen, we're gonna have to cut the show right now. Uh, Diani is not that is false information, uh, but we'll let that slide for today. <laughs> Tanzania still has the best beaches in the world, but okay, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, the idea now is okay, how do we, we get this idea of listing the best African destinations mm. through a marketplace? Mm avail them to this is before like airbnb experiences yeah. mm. avail them to leisure seekers locally mm-hmm. internationally expose mm-hmm. the businesses so we set up this marketplace um and then that's cloud nine that's mm-hmm. this long story short yeah that's a company that was acquired nice. we were operational at that point in four markets mm-hmm. uh but this was a virtual business yeah. just listing experiences online so you know a popular saying in in East Africa that I find many people around Nairobi or Dar es Salaam where I grew up talking about is people saying, oh, Tesh, I want to sell you my idea. You know, <laughs> this whole premise about how much ideas matter yeah. uh, and this idea of like selling people ideas. Do you believe in selling ideas? What does that actually mean? Or like, how, what's your philosophy when somebody tells you, they said, okay, I want to sell you my idea. What, what do you re- usually respond to them? Yeah, so... I mean, I think ideas are worth almost zero. Mm. Um, but to be polite, I think, okay, ideas are worth like, say, 1%. Mm. 99% is getting that idea to life. So I, every great business, I'm sure Nala started with this idea of enabling people, send money back home, etc. cetera, right? Um, so, but... The minute you think about an idea, then you need to move really quickly to the reality around making that idea come to life, mm. you know, and that involves many things. And that's the the, the hard stuff about building a startup. Mm. Um, <laughs> I really get pissed when people come to me and they want me to sign NDAs for the ideas. I'm like, dude, <laughs> yeah, you know, I have this best idea. I can't, I can't tell you right now, you know. <laughs> You're going to steal my idea. I hate that. (laughs) I get that all the time, man. And it's it's a tough one because I think my philosophy behind it is I think many people's parents maybe heard of somebody, uncle, cousin, who made money from a tender. You know, where like a government posted a tender in the newspaper, somebody wrote an idea with their nice project plans. And then some uncle or auntie or somebody in there they knew of or family friend made money because they got that tender based on their ideas they wrote down. And so it breeds this generation of young people who believe like, see, ideas are significantly more valuable. And I think that I think that's the challenge we're finding, especially in the region, because I see that in Tanzania. I guess that's also in Kenya as well. Yeah, same same story. Hmm. Yeah. So. Now, let's talk about, so all these hustles you were doing, you're doing while you were in university. Yeah, initially, yeah. And I'm sure all, like, did you get any rejections from any of the contracts you're trying to get or win? Oh, man, like, I've taken else. <laughs> <laughs> I swear, like, even thinking about fundraising journey, which yeah. is way later. Yeah. Um, I think I've talked to maybe 300 investors mm-hmm. and only 10% of them. Hmm. Which is, it's not a small number yeah. have said yes mm-hmm. but it's 90 percent. that's like 250 plus no's right yeah um and it's it hurts but mm. it gets to a point you 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 learn that it's part of the job like being a startup founder mm-hmm. is about taking those l's they say like mm-hmm. there's this thing we, we we say all the time you have four days four kinds of days as a startup mm. founder you have really terrible days. You have the best days uh, where you've closed a deal, you've closed an investor, you just good things happened. You hired a rock star, and then there are two normal days. Mm. So, like dealing with the twenty five percent of the days, mm. which is like almost one and mm-hmm. a half days a week, mm-hmm. almost is a lot. Yeah, uh, a lot of people can't deal with that. Yeah, yeah. So let's let's talk about getting to market first, right? So. Um, how did you come up with like even thinking about solving this problem with merchants, uh, you know, commerce and trade with merchants uh, all yeah. across the continent? Like, how did you realize the problem and how big it was? And then what made you feel? Because what I'm trying to understand is 
as you we talk about, ideas are a dime in a dozen. Everybody has yeah. ideas, right? Yeah. But gaining conviction as a founder to know like, hmm, like this is the one I really want to focus in. Yeah. Like how did you build that conviction? Yeah, interesting story. And this was out of experience building other stuff. Mm. So the the lesson I learned from the tender automation system is do not go ahead and build a product before you talk to customers. Mm. So um, I see a lot of memes around first-time versus second-time founders. Mm-hmm. So first-time founder will have a great idea and then build the product. And then go chase customers. And then go chase customers. <laughs> Second-time second founder will not build a product. Mm-hmm. They'll think about an idea and start talking to customers mm. and then build a product based on what customers are saying. Mm-hmm. So with Market Force, it was actually customer-driven. Mm. The product in the first, the first product iteration was... We're talking to FMCG companies, fast-moving consumer goods. So basically anything you you grab off a shelf mm-hmm. or your neighborhood shop, we call them dukas in mm-hmm. East Africa. Um, all these guys have to figure out a way of their product getting to the shop. So it's mm-hmm. a whole supply chain distribution thing. Mm-hmm. And what um, a lot of customers, initial customers for SaaS came as software as a service for our software was we need to understand who are our customers on the ground and how can we drive more more sales. Uh, because there are these order bookers who would go, there's that guy you see in the morning going and collecting the order for bread and then they supply the bread to the shop. Um, so we build software to digitize that process. And we, we there's no way we would know about this problem if you weren't in the game with the software consulting business and being known as the guys who build software so we're already doing something and customers approached us and told us this is what i need to be built and then they started adopting that and while we're building them that solution and visiting them in the market then you meet all these merchants who are f- still facing frustration from lack of timely access to goods so they run out of stock they have to close the shop go out to the nearest market to buy stuff that costs them a lot of time cost them logistics costs. So that's when we learned about this whole opportunity, the fact that 90% of staff bought at Dukas, mm. uh, of staff in Africa is bought through Dukas. Most mm. Africans can't uh, afford or access mm. the mega malls that you find like here in London. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so that's um, how Market Force came to be and then we continue now talking to these merchants and understanding what are the more pain points we can solve they don't have access to credit Mm -hmm. okay so now i'm delivering goods to you every day i can bank you i can Mm -hmm. start lending you cash Mm -hmm. i can enable you earn extra incomes by acting as agents for financial services Mm -hmm. so now we're building this whole suite of um, services Mm -hmm. products for this neighborhood merchant to to grow their business Mm -hmm. so tell me you're like Tell me about version zero. Like, okay, you know you want to build this. Like, yeah. did you build a whole website first? Did you have like a, how do you, what was version zero? Like the scrappiest version of, of the product. So how do you write, run tests to see like how this works? Yeah. So super interesting because I think one thing I remember very well is like out of our fast, like 500 customers, I personally onboarding 20% of them. Mm-hmm. Like I would go out to the market, visit shops. Uh, take orders. At that point, we're even taking orders on like Google, Google forms, Google sheets. Yeah. So yeah. we didn't build any product. Mm. Just talk to the customer. Mm. What do you need? You need me to bring flour. You need me to like. What do you need? Mm-hmm. I'll bring it. We used to pack stuff, Mesongo and I, in 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 vehicles and drive around with the van, making the deliveries ourselves. And that was version zero of, of Market Force. So getting your hands dirty, I'm sure you have similar story with onboarding customers, the fast customers. I've, I've seen your list, <laughs> <laughs> your phone book with Nala customers. Yeah. You know, that's that's how to truly build. Um, because at the end of the day, you're solving a problem for somebody. That's a person you should be spending the most time with. Um, and this is a problem. A lot of fast founders, um, this is an issue. I know first-time founders, they spend most of their time behind their laptop, right? Trying to build, like, you should be talking to your customer. Exactly. Yeah. So how, 
one thing I love that you guys do, I think I believe every month everybody on your team right goes goes to visit customers. Is that what's what's that called? Market force? Um yeah, so customer we call them customer weeks. So yeah. every quarter okay. um we spend time in the in the field. Mm-hmm. Everybody. Uh, everybody. Everybody has to get a time to go out and talk to customers. So wow. and we're really strict about that because like at the end of the day again like you're building for the customer mm-hmm. whether in your engineer your engineering ops hr yeah like everybody needs to understand the customer pain point mm-hmm. to be able to build the right solution for them mm-hmm. how did you grow that to over 200,000 merchants now so um so it's a model I'm talking about so the gig worker model yeah. so basically what we've done is come up with this way of training agents within different communities so these are youth mm-hmm. who don't have jobs mm-hmm. uh we built a specific app for them mm-hmm. uh it's an agent app they download it and their work their work is to go on board shops mm-hmm. based on their shops they on board and the orders those shops are making they earn a commission nice so we turn guys who didn't have jobs mm-hmm. to start earning $300 $500 and some grow to $1000 plus dollars a month mm-hmm. from generating orders in their communities So that agent network uh has grown to uh over 500 active agents. Mm-hmm. We've probably trained 1500 plus. Uh but over 500 active agents go out to the field every day and wow. talk to our customers. That's how we've grown to, to wow. that number of merchants across five markets. Wow. Yeah. Um now let's talk let's talk about um I want to talk about your personal journey while building this company while trying to balance everything out. Yeah. Uh you become a father, you have, you know, a kid at home, two, yeah. right? Now one. On uh, one. One coming. Uh, one coming. Okay, okay, that's an exclusive. <laughs> one and a half. <laughs> one and a half. Okay, that's an exclusive year yeah. to hear first. Um yeah, it's an exclusive. No, but but I want I want to learn about that because yeah. People from the outside see like, okay, market force raised this amount of money. I think you recently yeah. announced a 40 million dollar round. Is that yeah, is that correct? Yeah. Um what what's the total amount that you guys have raised to date? so 42 and a half million okay so 42 and a half million dollars yeah. as a founder in Nairobi Kenya is phenomenal yeah. um i personally am very proud of what you guys have done with even the traction you guys have got and it's not about raising the money it's also about building a proper business right yeah. and and it's very inspiring um and you talk about this whole journey. you mentioned you went to over 300 investors less than 10% of them have even invested in the business i want to talk a little bit more about that yeah as a founder okay you've built some traction you start to go out and raise money you're also one of the first east african companies in uh y combinator yeah. uh program and i want to know what was that journey like beginning to fundraise and starting to look for your first investors yeah yeah so honestly like super steep learning curve yeah. um so this is the first time i was going out and to raise funding I learned so much about finance and that's the thing about you know being a startup CEO right like you're you're the HR guy head of finance CFO everything chief yeah. everything officer basically right. right so um learning curve was very steep like you go into meetings it's like every meeting you're going to is, is a lesson mm. <laughs> like you so so you're hearing about LTV and CAC and all these abbreviations <laughs> Like, what's that? <laughs> what's going on? Yeah, I remember that feeling. <laughs> like, yo, I need to go home and Google this one. <laughs> yeah, and I'm still learning so much yeah. today, right? Um, but that's that's part of the journey. The reason this is exciting, it's, it's a big challenge. I learned a lot. YC experience was very, very good because I got to interact with um, advanced founders, you know, who challenge you. Um, the pace of the program was also really intense and makes you think about very creative gr- ways of growing customer growing revenue in a short period of time in a short period of time so very intense um i i think generally the the startup journey has been very intense for me the fundraising journey was super tough mm-hmm. um i mean being a black founder mm-hmm. um you mentioned this coming out of you know a background where you you you're not you're not the ideal mm-hmm. founder mm-hmm. to back mm-hmm. in quotes 
Mm-hmm. Um, so that play that 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 plays on your on your mind as well, right? On your yeah, on your, your psyche, like too, on your con exactly. So you have to go through all this all these things. So it's very lonely, yeah. uh, as they said, and I mean you have to punch through all those walls. Yeah, and um, it's something I still go through today. So on a past like you're always thinking, am I good enough? Um, running a team of three hundred plus people like am i the right person for the job yeah uh but every day you wake up and you realize that people have chosen to work with you people have chosen to invest in you for for a reason there's something they saw Mm. um and and so over time you just need to build up that confidence and and do it right yeah all right Mm -hmm. so raising money is hard yeah tell me about the specific moment uh you got that first check come in how much was the first check and like tell me about that like just tell me about that story <laughs> yeah so um i think it was very interesting experience because it was progressive so i remember initially when we first got the first customer and we wanted to scale up so you know five thousand dollars a month your revenue you're getting is not enough to pay the bills so you need to raise money and uh we had to make a leap of faith and hire guys without having like clear visibility of when the pay is going to come wow. and every setup has to make that decision when okay this is the right time to hire um so at that point i started getting incremental checks from family and friends so like $1,000 checks, $5,000 checks. And like, okay, guys, I'll be living in this thing. <laughs> you know, because you, you're, talk, you're talking to your friends about the problems you have. Mm-hmm. You know, I can't meet payroll. And they're like, okay, how much do you need? Man, I just need 3K. Mm-hmm. And they're like, okay, can I invest? Mm-hmm. And they come through. So this happened with a mm-hmm. bunch, a friend, a cousin. Mm-hmm. Uh, my wife even invested. She was my my fiance then. Mm-hmm. Um, then old investment from her, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's like, like this babe, dude, I believe in you. Dude, guy, I believe in us. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. Which I'm is, securing my future right here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that was pretty special. Um, and then now we got the first institutional check. It was 50k. Mm-hmm. Man, that was massive. It was like <laughs> a stranger put money in me. <laughs> <laughs> no that feeling was priceless honestly like i built something and sold it to a stranger and they, they put in and kenyans uh, you know east africans like yeah. it's generally africans i guess they'll invest in everything but tech you know yeah, estate, yeah. If, all if that it's stuff, a physical building they, and i can see it yes. i'm in yeah and yeah. this guy had never made any like tech investment with the first tech investment wow. first tech company um and there were two friends and they put in 50k. Wow. Yeah, so that was a big moment for us. Uh the d- d- due diligence for them was that they took like three months wow. trying to figure out can we trust this boy? <laughs> <laughs> can we trust this boy? Yeah, I remember I think that's why they because we had like five dinners. These guys were trying to gauge if I give this guy 50k where he's gonna take the money, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but eventually they put in the money and that was that was off like this mm-hmm. after that YC investing was massive also. Mm-hmm. We didn't sleep. You didn't sleep. <laughs> after you got that call, what happened? No, I remember like um we hung up the phone. So my co-founder and I were on the call and we were like speechless when he told us that yo, you guys are in. When we he we hung up the call, like those guys are all over the place. We turned that house upside down. No. Throwing pillows and everything. It was, a, it, was, it was solid. Wow. Yeah. Wow. What, a, what an incredible moment. I'm those, curious how it is yeah. for you. For, for, for context, for those uh, who don't know, Y Combinator is one of the hardest, actually the hardest accelerator program in the world to get into. It's mm-hmm. got a 1.7% ex- acceptance rate globally. And uh, getting accepted and uh, being an African founder, getting accepted is even harder. Yeah. Because they usually take like five companies out of, you know, over 20,000 people yeah. applying from Africa. In our uh, batch, we were the only African, wow. like, the two African companies were yeah. the only company in Sub-Saharan Africa. Wow. So it was massive. Wow. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I, in our batch, we are the only company in East Africa. Uh, the rest was like six Nigerian companies yeah. and, and, and then Nala. Yeah. Um, wow. 
Um, yeah, I remember that day. <laughs> I didn't sleep either. <laughs> Got that call. I was like, where in YC? Yeah. Like, where oh, in YC? Yeah. He's like, because uh, I think for me it was more, um, I applied to Y Combinator six times as a founder. We got rejected five times, we got in once. Damn. And um, so at that moment, Never give up. Um, you know, people saw like, okay, Nala, like East African company going to YC, whatever from Tanzania. Mm-hmm. Everybody expected a company from Kenya. Yeah. And like this <laughs> random company from Tanzania is going. And uh, we'll park that on the side. <laughs> um, but, but it was more like, it was like this release. You're like, yeah, you know, it's our first institutional check that came in yeah. uh, was YC. And I remember like, even when we got there, because we were a Tanzanian company, they couldn't even wire the money yet. Uh, yeah, <laughs> so, like you, you have to flip to, the entity. Yeah. And, uh, and then we had to wait. So like, okay, you're in YC and then you don't even have the money they offered you because you can't use it. And then I'm out here boring, like calling people to make payroll. Like yeah. I had a friend called Jack Langworthy. I called him. Actually, you met Jack at my party. Yeah. And I was like, Jack, yo, I need pay uh, to borrow money. He's like, how much? So I was like, $500. He, he like wired it instantly. I was like, you. <laughs> make payroll like whatever like you know let's move and like tell the guys like you know where you'll figure this out yeah. pay you back later um but no that, yeah. that that was it for us now that's interesting i think mm. yeah i'd like i'd like to say something about that and i feel like the startup journey is super humbling mm-hmm. because it makes you do stuff like that like you you get to points where you need to call you know, call a friend it's like lifeline <laughs> Have like so many, yeah. You have so many lifelines, right? Like there are those moments where you just need to seek help, mm-hmm. and you have to get comfortable with it. Mm. You have to get comfortable with not knowing, mm. with asking. You know, Benji, like, <laughs> Yo. I'm having this situation. You know, can you advise me what to do? Yeah. Um, but that's that's something interesting, and what you're talking about the resilience as well. Like yeah. six times, dude, <laughs> six times. Many guys would be like, third time, uh, ah. I'm a failure. These yeah. guys don't care." But you keep applying. Like that's crazy, <laughs> bro. Because give yeah. perspective. That's like because yeah. I accept two batches. Like, yeah, yeah, that's three years. Yeah, my first this. application was 2016. Exactly, yeah, three years it. of chasing this thing. We got accepted the second time, mm. and I remember the day, the first time we got rejected. Like we got into the interview. Yeah. Same. <laughs> it was super late because in East Africa, we did the interview at after midnight. I think it was like 12.30 a.m. Mm-hmm. I don't do well at that point in the night. Yeah. So I was low. This is a big moment, but I just couldn't bring out my, my real self. So after the interview, I was beating myself up. I'm like, you know, I didn't answer the questions well, mm-hmm. etc. but still applied again, right? So mm-hmm. yeah. that resilience is insane. Yeah. So, so talk to me about you know, about resilience, right? Tied with that is tough moments as a founder. Yeah. What was one of the hardest moments you personally faced as a founder? Oh, man. I I feel like I keep getting to a new level of adversity as I build. You know, people look at your company and like, you know, you've raised a lot of money. Um, they see what the most glorious parts of being a founder. Um, out here talking to Benji, we look like we're having a good time, but I'm sure at the back of your mind, <laughs> like, there's so much stuff you're dealing with, right? About growth, mm-hmm. about, you know, team, etc. Um, So toughest moments, um, the bar has kept rising. I remember in 2019, like a very small team, I think we're three or four. And at that point, not being able to meet payroll, um, you'd feel like a failure. Mm-hmm. It's like I'm letting my team down, etc. Then you get into 2020. It's a pandemic. I think we had grown to like 25 people. And we had to cut salaries by between 30 and 70%. So as a founder, it took like a 70% cut. Mm-hmm. Um, that was really hard because at that point, you, you're employing parents mm. um and then you're leading in a time of a lot of anxiety pressure guys don't know what's going on you don't know what's going on but you you need to lead at that point right so very tough moments to moment to lead 
uh then you come out of that um 2021 is um i mean great year in the founder ecosystem and everything um then you get into 2022 there's a war the war really affected our business because of the price of you mm. know commodities etc and then you know the market um went down so very tough year because we suddenly moving from a year where you expected to be growing like crazy to less build for profitability mm-hmm. so every time you think you're out of the woods mm-hmm. sort of something Another. just happens and you back at it so it's you, you get used to it mm-hmm. uh, it's almost like getting used to pain mm-hmm. and learning to enjoy the moment mm-hmm. build uh for the moment because mm-hmm. you, you need to accept that that's that's found a journey like the four days yeah <laughs> yeah so the flip side of that like what's been i mean you've had so many accomplishments with market force and even your previous companies yeah but what's been one of your proudest moments as tesh as a founder um So I've had I, I mean I've had a lot of proud moments but every time I think the biggest proud moments are associated with my team mm-hmm. and um that's mostly because you realize that it's very it's impossible to to build without a very solid team mm-hmm. and then having this group of very smart people um walking with you and walking with you um through the journey um so as I was just looking at you know our headcount last quarter you know grew from 150 people the year before to 350 people full time and seeing amount of passion and dedication makes me super proud i think that's i feel like i'm living uh what i set out to live which is create a company that people are proud to be part of um and creating those jobs special mm-hmm. who who really inspires you to do the work that you do who really i mean apart from the problems you're trying to solve tell me about one person who's been really influential to you personally in your founder journey apart from maybe your co-founder <laughs> interesting one Well, wow. I really need to think about this one. <laughs> I got uh blank. Give me two. Who's been inspired? Who's inspired me? Or who's been like a backbone for you where it's like like they've pushed you no matter what's happened. Like, you know what? Like this is fine. Let's we'll figure this out. To be honest, I think it's my co-founder. Like I Yeah, because I think he's the one who's understood like that like he's been in the trenches with me. Um and the days I'm having the bad day, the days that you know as co-founders one of you feels like quitting uh and the other one is like it's going to be right and the next day it's vice versa, right? So I think I'd I'd definitely give it to my co-founder. Um it would be it, I it's 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 hard enough as it is but I think it would be like twice as hard if it wasn't for him. I don't know how you manage as a solo founder. To be <laughs> At least initially. Yeah. You got a, you got co-founders later, right? Yeah. Oh, I have a CEO and CTO, yeah. 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 Um yeah, but your founders solo founders must be crazy. It's hard. <laughs> it's hard. If your mom was here in this room right now, what would you tell her? <laughs> Oh uh, yeah, mom you were like you inspire me a lot. You're a fantastic leader like and my mom has like been she believed in me since day one and I came to realize way later she and believed this, in you precede <laughs> precede <laughs> like day one um and i can still tell today when she tells me things like i don't know what you're going through but you got this mm. um it it always touches me and she's been 
supportive in every situation in the lowest times uh, in the highest points and she reminds me to to give thanks uh when things are really good uh when things are terrible she, til- she still reminds me to to have gratitude right so i i think she's been the most grounding person for me uh throughout my journey because every time you know you get accolades or you raise funds she's the one person that is happy for you uh but reminds you that you're not special like it's it's, it's you there's grace yeah um depends on what you believe in but like for her is remember this is god's grace mm-hmm. uh that's got in you here and i think that's so an interesting thing about luck mm. uh i don't know what you believe i'm curious <laughs> but uh what do you think when i tell you benji you're not special um yeah i think i think i think i'm a product of grace that's still in the process yeah. so i think uh i've been blessed and fortunate with the opportunities that have been given to me um and feel very pri- privileged by them um and it's just people like you mentioned like believing you giving these opportunities that you felt like you've never deserved like you're this random kid from Nairobi I'm this random kid from Dar es Salaam we're sitting in London today um you know have organizations that have grown to over 100 people and you know service problems across multiple regions in the world and like did I think I'd be doing this 10 years ago absolutely not yeah it's <laughs> a hard one yeah So speaking of 10 years ago you're 28 now 29 29 29 now so yeah. let's go back to the 18 year old Tesh if you met that 18 year old Tesh today and that 18 year old Tesh was sitting right here where I am in the room what two to three things would you tell that Tesh piece of advice yeah um one is what had I know it's, it sounds it sounds very cliche but um in your 20s especially like people who and work hard in this case means like go the extra mile like do stuff your peers are not doing while my peers were I love playing PlayStation for example but I'd spend 6 hours playing FIFA and I'd spend 3 hours 4 hours learning how to to do my graphics do my web and that created an edge um there's this thing about every day or every even every month improving yourself by 1% 1% that continuous improvement so always outwork um the person next to you i think this is one one major one and the second one is uh be careful who you surround yourself with because you know the reason I spend time with you Benji is because you inspire me. The reason I spend time with entrepreneurs, other entrepreneurs, especially guys who work harder than me um or are doing better in areas of my life where I'd like to improve. So um it doesn't mean just like work, only work. There's a good balance, right? There are guys who you realize this guy is doing very well with, you know, family. I met a founder Uh, who has four kids and I was asking him dude how do you manage this you know i have a family and that's inspirational so that's why that's that's a big thing for me as well because you end up emulating the people you spend most time with and if i'm i'm meeting an 18 year old benji an 18 year old tesh who's out working who's thinking outside the box you know you went to harvard um you know you're doing all these things you're you're a role model um so spending time with people like you raises my bar and 10 years later like it's it makes such a massive difference who you end up becoming um no thank you that's very kind of you um i want to understand so your wife you mentioned a few times um yeah. there's a lot of sacrifices you have to make as a founder you have people you employ in your company you have over 300 people now at the organization a lot of them have families have kids yeah. you have a family you have a kid um there's so many sacrifices you have to make as a founder you know you're away from home you operate in five countries around africa and 
you don't get to see them as much as you probably want to. Your mom probably misses you often. Your cousins, your relatives, you probably miss birthdays, weddings, yeah. funerals, and things like that. How do you balance that? Bro, I don't know if there's such thing as balance. Um, how, like, how I, do you I, cope I, through that all? Yeah, I, th- I think I'm driven by the mission. And this is one thing um, I really appreciate my wife, my mom, my family for. You know, I'm very close to my cousins, um, my brothers. They've, they realize that I've sort of been given this opportunity to lead, to build, um, to build our Africa, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so I really appreciate that they understand and... Anytime um, I'm apologetic, because I most times I feel I feel bad, I feel terrible. I'm not there, you know, for my son. Like um, things are happening at school, for example, and um, my wife will go. I can't make it because I have this important meeting, and she's like, "Don't worry," you know, and she's telling me you're building our Africa in quotes, and that's that's what. That's the opportunity you have. It's a rare opportunity. Um, so do what you can do. And I appreciate them for giving me the space um, to do this. So that, that's how I cope. Just the reassurance from mm. them mm. that uh, we appreciate that you're, tr- you're, you're trying your best. Mm. Um, but just go forth and do this thing that you're really good at. Mm-hmm. Um, and... You know, keep inspiring more people. Keep keep building. Mm-hmm. You know, cool. I have, I have a final question. I'm gonna go into wrapping up over here. Yeah, Tesh, um, as we wrap up, what matters to you most in life and why? <laughs> it's a powerful question. Uh, so, what matters for me most is living my full potential. So every day I wake up and I feel an ounce of laziness. (laughs) Like the first thing that comes to my mind is like, why are you wasting this opportunity? So what matters for me the most is like creating as much impact uh, as I can with what I have, whether little or a lot, like, just spending time, my time productively, efficiently. And that's why when I get opportunities like this, to have mid-Benji, have this chat, I know this chat will inspire somebody. Um, you know, I could be home chilling right now, Netflix. It's been a long day. I've had like seven meetings today. But I'm like, this is one opportunity to you know, share my story because it could touch three lives. And maybe that means three people who will create a thousand jobs for Africans, right? So... Um. Yeah. Prosperity cool. for Africa. Nice. I love it. Um, before I wrap up, I have a quick fire round. Yeah. So, um, important question. I mean, <laughs> unfortunately, Tesh does not support Manchester United. He supports Arsenal, which yeah. is a big problem. <laughs> and uh, we have an agreement, right? What's the gentleman's agreement that we have? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah. So. If Arsenal win the league this year, 2023, 2023, uh-huh. we're winning the league. If, <laughs> if when we win the league, uh-huh. <laughs> yes. if they win the league. So, um, Benji <laughs> is buying me a ticket and he's wearing an Arsenal shirt and we're, we're going to watch the game. We're going to watch an Arsenal <laughs> game together at the Emirates. So I can't, I can't wait. You can't wait to sponsor <laughs> tickets <laughs> to the Emirates Stadium. <laughs> to the Emirates. Have you been to the Emirates yet? I have. I okay, have, I've um, not seen a game there yet, so it'll be my first one at the Emirates. Yes, I, I guess first first game of next season. Actually, yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, and if 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 uh, Manchester United win this mm-hmm. league, I'm going to wear a Manchester United shirt for, for a full week <laughs> of Benji's choice of my choice. <laughs> You guys already know what week that's going to be. <laughs> Fundraising week, demo day week, customer service week. 
all of those. I'm ready. <laughs> yeah, I'm ready. Tell the Market Force team you're going to be wearing a Man United jersey <laughs> to meet the customers. I'll be creative. <laughs> my new jersey is a vest. <laughs> ah, yeah. No, not happening. Uh, I honor my bets. Yeah, okay, quick. I know you love sports, so quick round. Um, LeBron James or um, Michael Jordan? Michael Jordan. Ronaldo, Messi. Ronaldo. Okay, okay, good. Good answer. He, 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 he answered this. I just went together on that one. Yeah, I was, I was waiting. I was waiting to have this guy it's, dead. It's Diani versus Zanzibar. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so uh, Diani versus Zanzibar. Yo, don't make the mistake. This guy's made a mistake. We have to re-record that piece. Um, I know you love your cars, so Subaru or BMW? BMW. Oh, man, he loves the BMW. I love huh? the BMW. Uh, what about... Um, for the weekend, for fun, going to watch a rally or going to watch Arsenal play? Arsenal play. Oh. I love football. Yeah. Yeah. You do. Unfo- yeah. <laughs> We've we watched enough games with Tesh together. Probably you can find it on our Instagrams together. Um, as I wrap up, Tesh, I'm really happy you came today. Uh, I really hope this message uh, and your journey inspires not just one, two, three, but millions of people who watch this, whether it's in whether it's today, whether it's in five years, whether it's in ten years, and you know the thing that the journey you have been on is a tough one, uh, building market force to where it is today, and you inspire me, you inspire many people across the continent, you inspire many people across the world, and I wish you nothing but the best, man, all the best. Thank you, bro. Cheers. Appreciate it. Yamani, everybody, thank you so much for tuning in to our Build Our Africa speaker series. We are back uh, with an exclusive with Tesh today. And we really appreciate all of you guys for tuning in. If you have any questions, comments, feedback, things we can do better, please comment down below. I'm supposed to say like and subscribe or something. <laughs> like and subscribe to the channel. Follow. I, yeah, don't, I'm clearly not a YouTuber. Low budget YouTuber right here. Anyway, thank you all so much for tuning in. Seriously, like, um, let us know what we can do to make this better. And please go and follow, follow Tesh and market for us in the journey that they've been on. If you know people that want to join their uh, agencies uh, in these markets that they operate in, please send people their way. Thank you so much, everybody, and have a wonderful rest of your day. Cheers.